generation is rising on an emerging generation of kings. Genesis chapter 2. Genesis 2, let's take it from verse 15. Then the Lord God took the man. So look at that now. God had made the man. Genesis 2 verse 7. Genesis 2 15. The Lord took the man that he had made and he put him or set him in the garden of Eden to tend and keep it. And the Lord God commanded the man saying of every tree of the garden you may freely eat. But of the tree of the knowledge of good and evil you shall not eat. For in the day that you eat of it you shall surely die. And the Lord God said, it is not good that man shall be alone. I will make a helper comparable to him. Another one says, a help meet for him. Out of, the ground of the, out of the ground, the Lord God formed every beast of the field and every bird of the air and brought them to Adam to see what he will call them. <laughs> Adam saw the giraffe. He was too tall. He couldn't call him wife. Saw the snail. He was too slow. He said, I can't marry this one. Saw the dog, it was too loud. Said, ah, the cat, you know, cuddling and then scratching, right? So some people have gotten into a relationship with cats. They caught about the scratch, you leave you bleeding, right? So there was none comparable. It says, uh, so Adam gave names to all the cattle, to the birds of the year, and to every beast of the field. But for Adam, there was not found a helper comparable to him. Verse 21, and the Lord God caused a deep sleep to fall on Adam and he slept and he took one of his ribs and closed up the flesh in its place. Then the rib which the Lord God had taken from man, he made into a woman and brought her to the man. And it was Adam now who said, this is now bone of my bones and flesh of my flesh. She shall be called woman because she was taken out of man. Therefore a man shall leave his father and mother and be joined to his wife and they shall become one flesh. And they were both naked, the man and his wife, and were not ashamed. Somebody say amen to that. So observe that God created man, but then that man needed an environment for the fulfillment of his purpose. So please understand this. Your identity is not all you need to fulfill the plans of God concerning your life. The hand of God upon your life is not all you need. That God has distributed deposits of development in pockets of partnerships and relationships that he must of necessity bring you into for the potential that you have to become performance in your life. Are you seeing this now? So God had made Adam and God could have left Adam where he had made him. We're not told where he had made him. But the Bible says that God took that man Adam and he put him. Genesis 2.15, he put him in a garden. So understand this, no matter how gifted you are, there is a context in which your giftedness will not shine. Are you aware of that? There is a context in which your abilities, your graces, the oils of God upon your life will not flourish. So even though God had made man, he put that man in a garden. As a matter of uh, fact, in a certain context, your family is a garden into which God puts you. Adam was not the person who decided what garden to be put into. Come on, somebody. You were not the one who decided how tall your dad should be, how long your mom's hair should be, how uh, 
beautiful the eyes of your brothers and sisters should be, Adam had no choice in describing the garden that God was going to put him into. Therefore, do not complain that God placed you in that family. Look at yourself like this if you can afford to or you're gifted with that ability and say, oh, I'm blessed with the family that God blessed me with. Just say that. So keep that in mind that there is no a place for complaining which now, why, ah God, why did you make me an Obama? Uh -uh. To be bam, to be an Obama. Dangote. At least there's done in the Bible. And I have goatee. So just why? 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 How I wish I was born into a family that was more spiritual. How I wish my great grandfather was not an idol worshiper. How I wish my great grandmother was not the chief priestess of the village. How I wish. Who has ever had those kind of thoughts before? That you wish that you were born, come and raise your hand if you have. I wish I was born into like a more robust, a richer family, more understanding family. God did not make a mistake by placing you in that family where everything looks like drama. Like every day you were growing up, there was a script playing out. Come on, somebody. Things were being broken. Either plates were being broken or heads were being cracked. Oh, come on, talk to me even. I'm on your page right now. For some of you, you're in a family that if you tell people the true story, not the polished one, the true edition, they're going to say, your family is super opera. Because it's not just drama, you have series. Seasons. Some of you have seasons. Season one, season two, season three. In spite of all the seasons you have, the family still has no seasoning. But thank God you are the salt of the earth. You are the seasoning of the Lord. And because you are the season of the Lord, you can curry God's favor and buy some time. Oh, can I talk right now? I got no white paper, but I've got a white heart. Do you understand? So some of us are you, like, look, I, I like this kind of garden. I like, God didn't give Adam a choice in the matter. And by the way, you ought to be grateful that at least you are in a garden, not dying out in the wilderness. Because there are other people that were not even born in any gardening at all. Some of you are complaining, God, why do you put me in a rose garden? Rose, rose, rose. Still, I can't write prose. All I have are the pros and cons. No wonder I'm a convict. Right. Some people get the next like three Sundays, like three Sundays, just like, ha, 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 I get What's happened? No, four weeks ago. Like. Right? <laughs> You're thinking like that. I have a rose garden. There are a lot of thorns. Some of you, you have a wool garden. That's where you're born into. Bitter leaf. So you're like, oh, no, no, it was like coconut plantation. That's why I have coconut. Regardless of the state of the garden, this morning we want to start from the premise of gratefulness or gratitude that at least I was born into a context that did not tear me apart or at least get me some kind of leverage to be able to grow. Somebody say it's all good. Psalm 68, real quick. Psalm 68. What it says in verse 3, if you're righteous, this is what I want you to do. Righteous man, verse 3, 68, verse 3. But let the righteous be what? 
glad. Where should they rejoice? Let them rejoice before God. Yes, let them rejoice exceedingly. Sing to God. Sing praises to his name. Why? Because the righteous has been adopted into a different family. Are you following this now? So no matter the pain associated with your biological family, the moment you are righteous, you are now in the family of God. And can I just remind somebody that your God is bigger than Bill Gates because he can pay any bill and open any gates. Come on. Your God is bigger than Warren Buffet. So once you say, I wish Warren Buffet was my father. I was born into that kind of rich family. Your God is bigger than Warren Buffet because he can win any war and serve you a buffet. Thou prepares the table before me in the presence of my enemies. Come on, somebody. Your God is bigger than Ote Dollar because even if you tear, he will still give you some dollars. I don't know who I'm talking to. But, but your God is bigger than that. So he says, if you are righteous, you should rejoice. That means the righteous person can look at the Aborisha father and the DPM mother and the chief wizard of the village and say, I have a new nationality, a new identity. I've been redeemed out of every tribe and culture. Are you hearing what I'm saying right now? I have a new reference point, a new. Jesus is my big brother. Come on. That Jesus is my big brother. The Holy Spirit is my chaperone. I know how to act and behave now because I've belong to a royal family that's why the righteous does not need to cry over the fact that your father used to abuse your mother yes it can break your heart but it must not break your spirit you make a new resolution to say it happened from those I was being born by but even if I didn't come out of a good family a good family will come out of me I don't know who I'm speaking to boy. you all don't look like you're ready for the kind of family we're talking about this month but I'm talking about a family that you will not believe God will bless you with a marriage that is so delicious that is so sumptuous that is so attractive that is not only romantic but it's actually going to make you tick like God it will not only tick the right boxes it will bring you out of the wrong boxes come on God is going to bring you into a place where they will look at you and say this is the kind of man I want to be like this is the kind of woman I want to marry you are going to be a definition redefinition reconfiguration of everything you did not have that God ordained for marriage this month of February the scales will drop your off your eyes the limitations will be shattered even if you have not been in a relationship before thank God you were not in one because this series will equip you for the right kind of relationship and the right ones to say I don't jam I don't know who I'm talking to but your next relationship will not waste your time it won't waste your energy it won't waste your heart it will not waste your emotions you will get it right if you believe it, high five yourself and say, family. Let them rejoice. How? Exceedingly. Verse 4. It says, sing to God. Sing praises to his name. Extol him who writes on the clouds. How should you extol him? By his name, Yah. That's where the song comes from. That's God's name. And rejoice before him. Verse 5. Who is he? Because somebody's like me, I didn't even have any father. Who is God? Shout aloud. Father of the fatherless. A defender of widows is God in his holy habitation. But even though 
He's the father to the fatherless. He's the father of all spirits. He's the father of the righteous man. Even though he's all of that, he does not just sort you out with a spiritual family. What he also does in verse 6, tell me somebody. In verse 6 it says that God does what? He said that God sets. God sets. In other words, your location in that family is not random. You are set there. God needed somebody strong-willed like you there. Because everybody takes it too slow. Too slow. So if there was no disruptor in that family like you, nobody will make progress. Oh, come on, somebody. You're all not talking to me this morning. God sets you. That's why for many of you, how many of you sometimes feel like you are the different person in your family? Raise your hand if you sometimes feel. Just like, why am I so different? You know why? Because you are set in that family. God sets you. He didn't just put you there. He set you there. He looked at the order of things. You are the embodiment of what would have been missing in your absence. Oh, come on, somebody right now. So you're wondering, why is nobody else like me instead of thanking God that I'm there? Because if you were not there, oh my goodness, somebody in the family would have squandered the family inheritance. Some say, oh, but they still squandered it. Yes, because you were there, but you didn't know you were set there on purpose. You thought you were an observer, an analyst, a complainer, investigator. You thought you were the data scientist to collate everybody's, to compute. You're hearing what I'm saying now. But you are set there. And it says, he brings out those who are bound into where? Prosperity. In the second service, I'll tell you the purpose. I think I'll touch on one or two of them in the service. Second service, I'll tell you there are five major purposes for family. One of them is to perpetuate the blessings of God and to expand prosperity. No generation was designed to be poorer than the one that raised it. According to God's plan. Go come and somebody. Said to Abraham, and you shall all the families of the earth be blessed. Said, what happens to those who are rebellious? But the rebellious will, or they, the rebellious do what? Dwell in a dry land. Why does it talk about family and then it talks about rebellion? Because abusing the institution of family, ignoring the institution of family, despising the institution of family, casting aspersion on the institution of family is rebellion in God's book. And the enemy is crafty. He will try to dismember, to besmirch relationships and marriages and family and cause you to feel exhausted about the possibility of getting married, to feel drained and strained and depleted and done so that there is a young lady who's saying, should I even marry Seth? Now I'm not talking about eunuchs because by the way I mentioned, I know that there are certain persons who do not want to get married. Legitimately. Can I even propose that there are certain persons who may not be designed for marriage? Oh, can, can I talk right now? Jesus speaks about three kinds of eunuchs. He said there are people who were born eunuchs. They have no desire for engagement. 
possibly their hormones don't even move when it comes to intimacy. Possibly. I'm not saying if that's your case, then that means, ah, that's a sign. I'm frigid. Therefore, it doesn't, it, that's not what it means. But there are certain persons that they don't have anything. So if you're one of those people, don't go with the herd mentality. You must marry. You must marry. You must marry. Jesus says there are people like that. Then it says that there are people who were made eunuchs by other men. Media help me find that is in Matthew. There are people who were made eunuchs by other men. What does that mean? People who were, you understand, you understand. People who were, something was done to them, injected to them, taken out of them, removed from them, right? And they, made, they were made eunuchs. Then there are people who decide to be eunuchs. In other words, they decide that because of the work of God or because of missionary service or because my life is too busy or because whatever they choose that I'm not going to be married. Look at somebody. Uh, sorry, I can't tell you to look at someone and say this. I want to look at you and say I'm grateful to God. I'm not a eunuch. Glory to God. If you are convinced because of the patterns of your hormones and the way your body moves and all, you're very convinced that's not your calling. Look at somebody and say, I dodge him, I dodge him, I dodge him. Matthew 19, 12. For there are eunuchs who were born thus from their mother's womb, and there are eunuchs who were made eunuchs by men, and there are eunuchs who have made themselves eunuchs for the kingdom of heaven's sake. The one who served the Lord without devoting attention to, uh, you know, nursing and taking care of children and looking after family life. So I just want to say this because I know that many times in the African culture, everybody claims every miracle, everybody claims every blessing. This is not about you being frustrated with marriage. It's not about people breaking your heart. The fact that somebody has broken your heart does not mean you're not supposed to marry. So, ah, ah, the first person broke my heart. The second person scattered it. And the third person shattered it. Ah, that's a confirmation. At the mouth of two or three weaknesses, a thing shattered. That's not what it means. It doesn't mean. It possibly means that there's something you need to learn or there's a place for patience or that you just, th the Lord sometimes, once in a while, will even allow you run into that so that a part of your character will be developed and molded. But I just wanted to say this at the beginning of this series. If you feel you want to say to the Lord, God, send me to Beijing. Lord, send me to Honolulu. Lord, send me to Pretoria. I just want to serve you. I will play with the gardens. I will raise uh, you know, uh, puppies and birds and feed nature. Don't feel bad. But let me just warn. It's possibly one in maybe 10,000 people. <laughs> possibly. Okay? Glory to God. So the enemy wants you to think about family life as a burden, as stress, as work. So it'll be like, you, you start thinking to yourself, men are too much. It's too much for me to handle. Women are a lot. There are plenty. I can't deal. He wants you to have the pictures of divorce so that you are convinced that marriage is not for you. But the fact that people have given a good thing a bad name does not mean it's a bad thing. The fact that some people have given a good thing a bad name does not mean it's a bad thing. So I wanted to understand that the family is God's idea. Shout aloud. Shout aloud. Shout aloud one more time. Family is God's idea. 
Therefore, if we're going to understand how family should work, we cannot superimpose our personal ideas, our personal prejudices, our personal preferences, our cultural idiosyncrasies, our societal values as the template. We have to go to the one who ordained, created, designed, implemented marriage at the beginning. Family is not man's idea. It's not Dr. Phil's idea. It's not Oprah's idea. It's not a Nigerian blogger's idea. Come on, somebody. It's not what you see on DSTV. It's what you see on the divine satellite television. Family is God's idea. So if I'm going to understand it, I must not assume I get it because a lot of things that we understand about marriage are actually trado-religious persuasions. So when talking about family, don't say, I already know. You don't possibly know it. At least you don't know it all. So as we start this service, let your heart be open. Lord, I want to learn. Somebody say, Lord, I am ready to learn. Isn't it amazing how in one stage of your life, do you remember when you were 13 and 14, you thought you were the wisest person on earth. You were convinced you were wiser than your parents. Don't talk to that boy. Don't talk to that boy. That's mm. Tobito. I'm on it. Bagbari. Full stop. Olojweja. Bayamole. Does anybody know that? So no, what's that about? Because <laughs> sometimes I do things like this. Out of my, my, my wife is going to be like, ah, ah, where is this all coming from now? <laughs> right? You thought, say, no, don't keep late nights. Don't keep late nights. Say, but I did it before. Let me give an example. Like sometimes, you know, Cameron and Ronald, they're climbing the sofa. They're jumping. You know, the other day, Cameron wore, wore a, a Spider-Man shirt. So he was running around the house. <laughs> climb. Daddy, look at what, look what I can do. That's what it says. Look what I can do. I can jump like this. Boom. Do you know? I said, stop jumping. I said, stop jumping. You know what I said? I said, you don't have to jump because you are big. He's advising me. You see that now? In his mind, he's like King Solomon. Did you, did you get? So I, said, so I said to him, I said, why are you jumping? He said, because I'm Spider-Man. Spider-Man. So I said, let me talk to you. When I was about six years old, six or seven, I watched Superman. Some of you have heard me talk about the story before. I watched Superman. So I, I get where you are, right? So I watched Superman, and I was feeling super. So I went to go and get Ashobura. You know Ashobura? That's like cover cloth. Used it as a cape. The, the ledge was about this high. It wasn't so high, about this high. And then I went, psh, poo. <laughs> that flight was very short. There was no stopover. It was landing. Boom. And I broke a tooth. Right? That didn't grow for a while. You know how they say, oh, you have to hold seven stones or six stones. Hold it with a tooth and throw it on the rooftop or something. Whoever did it. Shadow religious ideas. You, you see what I'm saying? Some of us are still gathering stones around the broken tooth of our marriages. The broken stones of our relationships because we think we know. How do we think we know somebody told us that's the way you do it? Ah! They don't used to play with women. You must have strong hand. Strong hand. You will use the strong hand to break your marriage. Women, you don't let them go anywhere. Plant a chip. So I, I, told, I told my son, but my son did not really get it. He said, okay. And he went, psh, psh, psh. This is what children don't understand. 
the advantage of the adult, of the father and of the mother, is that the father and the mother has been a child before, but the child has never been a father before. The leader has been a follower before. The follower has not been a leader. The pastor was once a congregant. The, that's why you trust the judgment of people of integrity. You don't have to understand everything about their instructions. Because sometimes they can't unpack in three minutes what they learned in 30 years. So they encode their wisdom in an instruction, not dialogue. It does not eliminate the place of asking questions. Are, are we seeing that now? But sometimes just, just obey, right? So God wants us to study his pattern. As I was preparing and praying, at different times I, I thought about this line I was going to say. I was going to say, God is a family man. But that's ironical, right? Because God is not a man. But I, the, the context I'm speaking in is God is family oriented. Somebody say God is family oriented. Shout let us say God is family oriented. So what do we see in the Godhead? We see the father and we see the son. Are those mechanical terms or family terms? Are they scientific terms or family terms? Are they religious terms or family terms? So God is first of all a family person before he's a religious object. Many of us approach God from a religious premise so we've not been grounded in the family orientation of God. And one of the things that this series will do for you, it will transform your prayer life because you will know that prayer is not the attempt to change the mind of an unwilling God. But it's communion with a loving Father. Oh, can I talk to somebody right now? Because many of us were not about family. With a family, we're just about man and woman. You do me, I do you. We do children. Do do care. Do do to care the baby. But we don't know that God has a family orientation. God has family orientation. So we have the father with son, we have the son, and then who else do we have? The Holy Spirit. Now, how do you have a son? How do you have a son? The father has to be intimate with the mother. So the Holy Spirit is not feminine, but in a way he plays the role of the mother in the family of the Godhead. How do I know? Yes, yes, you can clap. How do I know? Because Eve was made a helper for Adam, and the Holy Spirit is called your helper. The son is the material representation of the father. Therefore, the Holy Spirit midwives you in Christ so that you become a son of God who is a material reflection of the invisible father. Just like Jesus was born because the Holy Spirit overshadowed Mary carrying the seed of the word. Are you hearing this now? Children are born through the metrics of the mother. That's why the Holy Spirit brooded over the face of the waters. Come on, somebody. Because in the beginning, God made heaven and earth. The earth was formless and void. Darkness was upon the face of the deep. And the Spirit of God brooded. Come on, somebody say brood. 
When you think about brood, you think about the mother hen. When you think about the mother hen, you think about eggs. Women have eggs. Come on, somebody. And women can brood on things. They can, who knows, women can brood. They can, they can brood and it can change their mood. And sometimes you think they're rude. But it's because they're just brooding. Uh, they have to brood in the hood. Come on, somebody. And so the Spirit of God sits upon the waters the way the mother hen sits on the eggs. That is the reason you don't get the most of the Holy Spirit except you're willing to sit with him. That many times when you run, you run too fast for the Spirit and you run into error. But when you sit with the Spirit, this is also the reason when Jesus spoke to them, he said, do not go first, but you must do what? Tarry, tarry until the Spirit comes upon you. Because uh, Peter, if you leave Jerusalem the way you are, you will leave as an egg. But when the Spirit broods on you and you hatch, you break the shell of the flesh, you're going to leave as an eagle flying. Who am I speaking to right now? When the mothering power of the Holy Spirit comes upon your life, the eggs of your gift will hatch. The eggs of your ability will hatch. The eggs of your anointing will hatch. And instead of you being an egg that can be fried in the oil of life, you become an eagle that people will look up to in life. Oh, some of y'all still booting. It's still loading. Ding, ding. Look at somebody say the Holy Spirit plays the motherly role. You know, in a family, another reason why the Holy Spirit is like the mother in that context is that when, when you're hurt and when you're anxious and when you're nervous and when daddy has spoken harshly to you, more often than not, who comes to comfort? What did Jesus call the Holy Spirit? The comfort. So he's like the mother who comes to comfort. I could show you many pictures in the Bible. But the father Isaac said, rather, yeah, the father Isaac said, Hey, uh, Esau, go and make me venison, that my soul may bless you. Oh, Lord, help me this morning. That my soul may bless you. I'll eat the venison. My soul will bless you. Esau takes his bow and hunting devices. He goes into the thickness of the bush. He runs up and down. He's sweating. He's laboring. But do you know? Do you know? Do you remember? Do you remember that Rebekah was in the house? And Rebekah called Jacob and said, Oh, I know what your father likes. Because the Holy Spirit knows what the father likes. Rebekah is a type of the Holy Spirit who says you don't need to go out of the house to find what the father likes is in the house. So Rebecca helps come on somebody. Rebecca helps Jacob who was not qualified, who did not deserve it. Jacob the lesser. Jacob the person who was not supposed to get the birthright. And it says let us prepare the meal together. When you work on a project together with the Holy Spirit, it will always please the father. Because the Holy Spirit has known the father for as long as the father has been. Your mother knows when to talk to your father. Come on. Your mother knows when to talk to your father. So whilst you're laboring, trying to buy him this color. You know, my, my mother-in-law said to me the other day, I was walking in the home office, and I've been walking all day. My wife comes to me and says, oh, you know what? What would you like to eat? What would you like to eat? And I said, uh, I told her I made pounded yam and okra or something like that. And then he said, uh, and then she said, an hour long. I said, about 30 minutes. Now, I didn't go back upstairs till about three or four hours. And my mother-in-law, she smiled.
out and laughed. He said that when my, my daughter came back up, she said, uh, uh, PDAM said it's going to be ready to eat in 30 minutes, but I know that means three and a half hours because she knows, oh, come on, somebody, because she knows me. When the Holy Spirit says, do it like this, you better do it like that because she knows or he knows what the Father delights. In this month of February, your basketball days are over. You won't be running into walls, experimenting, losing your esteem, draining yourself because guess what? Esau was in the wild, sweating up and down in the labor of the flesh. It was labor, but it was the labor of the flesh. But here comes Jacob, still looking perk and pretty. Uh, the mother says, oh, no, no, put a bit more curry there. And mom, is it not too much? Your father likes curry, put it. Do you understand? Uh, put a bit more salt there. Uh, it's too much. Uh, it's Jai it. So you know that that's your about English. The salt will be too much. I have known him since he was 16 years old. We went to uh, Jerusalem International Grammar School. Uh, do you understand what I'm saying? You will move by the instrumentality of the Holy Spirit. You will move by the leading of the Holy Spirit. He will highlight and spotlight your husband. No more guesswork. No more experimenting. No more dilly-dallying. Who am I preaching to this morning? If you are the one shot yes go to three people tell them the Holy Spirit will mother you Holy Spirit will mother you so think about that okay you're gonna have a beautiful family you have an amazing family an incredible family a pretty family do you want twins? Do you want to receive twins that will smile like you? Look, look, look at someone. They say you smell like a beautiful family. You just smell. Toys, toys, toys. Who will buy my toys? See, by the rhymes, you know, we know how posh you are. Me, my bandwidth is very wide. I know the Kurubinte rhymes, and I know the posh ones, the whole spectrum. Paul says, I have become all things to all men. <laughs> People that said Toy Story says they went to very posh. People that do tambolo, 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 tinko, tinko. I need to wind this down. So, so family is God's idea, and then God models family. Why does he have to have father, son, and helper, comforter, who is mother, incubator, multiplier? Also, the Holy Spirit is the mother because the mother multiplies. The Holy Spirit multiplies what you have. That's why when they were gathered in the upper room, the Spirit of God brooded upon them. The wave, the wind of God came upon them. The word says that there were cloven tongues of fire on each person's head. I wish I could preach. Preach this. How many of you know that no matter how small the meat was, when the mother got into the kitchen, everybody got a piece. <laughs> Ooh. 
oh, that's better than your responding. Who knows what I'm talking about? No matter how small the gari was when the basia or the basin was running low, mama knows how to mold and mama knows how to make the mama lid come and work around the slices of bread. Uh, you understand what I'm saying? Uncle might give a bigger portion to this person or a smaller portion, but when mama comes and everybody's happy, somehow if, it can, if she cannot give everybody an equal piece of meat, he'll give person, one person more okra and the other person more fish or the next meal is going to compensate. The Holy Spirit will never leave you less than what you need for your destiny. Are you hearing what I'm saying right now? And when we begin to open up our whole hearts to the ministry of the Holy Ghost, it does not matter that you raise the dead. I preach the gospel and 5,000 get saved. It does not matter I preach the gospel and 5,000 get saved. You write a tract that will be changed into Chinese and Latin and Africans. Everybody will get their share. I don't know who I'm talking to, but you all look too quiet this morning. Can you all look for three people? Say you have your own tongue of fire. You have your tongue of fire. Shandokosamandas. Holy Ghost knows how to make it go round. Tim, that is good to see you. How to make it go round. You see them now. Now let me show you how the father models this. In Ephesians chapter 3, I believe verse 15, it says, let me show you that, then I'll show you Matthew and then we'll close for this service. Look at what it says now. Can you go to verse 14 so that we can have some context for this? For this reason, I bow my knees. To who? Who am I bowing to? Oh God. I wish I could work this metaphor deeper. How many of you ever bowed before your physical father? Anybody? You bowed, you knelt before your father. Whenever you bow before your father, what do you get up with? What do you get up with? Blessings or what? Or forgiveness or what? Love or what? Affirmation or favor or correction. The believer who bows before the father always rises better than he was before he bowed. So no matter how great I go, Vicky, my knees must always kiss the floor. Have you not seen Pastor Adeboye that ever so often before he preaches? You're wondering, this man, there, I don't know how many branches Redeem has now, maybe like 20 or 20 something thousand or, or something like that, in about 190 countries of the world. But when he comes to the stage, my daddy, our Lord, and our Savior, we bow before your holy name. He understands this but there's some of us one church we have not planted and when it's time for praise and worship we are analyzing the chords these chords are not suspended enough let's suspend the singer look at somebody say bow before the father the song, my very first song I did with this gentleman, this anointed man, bow before your throne. I pray that in this series, we will understand that family is not just about comfort and convenience. It's also about covenant and commitment. He said, I bow before the father. And what does it say in verse 15? He says, concerning the father, verse 15, from whom the whole 
family in heaven and earth is named. Theologians have two major interpretations for this. They say the family in heaven is everybody, every one of the Gentile nation that is born again in Christ because we already sit in heavenly places, right? And the family on earth is family because is, is uh, Israel because God says Israel is my firstborn. Christ is the firstborn of resurrection, the firstborn of creation, the firstborn from the dead. It says, Israel is my firstborn on earth. So if you want to know what runs in our family, look at Jesus and look at Israel. Israel is not the largest nation, but they've produced some of the strongest people. Oh, are you hearing this? Israel is a desert, but they've exported some of the biggest and juiciest fruits in the history of agriculture. Israel has been attacked for years and years by Palestine and all the sons of Ishmael, but they have not been able to bring them down. Are you hearing this? I'm not describing Israel. I'm describing your firstborn. I'm describing your genetic makeup. I'm describing the fact that you can bring fresh fruits out of the wilderness that Hezbollah and Palestine can attack you. But here you are, for as the mountains surround Surround Jerusalem. So does the Lord surround his people. Are you hearing what I'm saying? That they attacked Jesus, but he rose from the grave. It runs in our family. Somebody say, it runs in our family. Some of you say, I'm angry because anger runs in my family. I'm, I'm light-skinned because light skin runs in our family. I have rashes and acne and pimples, but can I tell you what runs in your family? Goodness runs in our family. Oh, we're just good peoples. We're just good people. Uh, anointing runs in a family and um, powered by light uh, liquefied by fire decorated by glory immersed in favor saturated by the spirit it runs in my family I can help myself uh, uh, my, my, my wife says to me many times uh, that there is one mouth there's a way you people do your mouth in your family he said your, your daddy does his mouth like that uh, when you're thinking or contemplating there's a way you, you tighten your lips or something he said I've seen your brother do it uh, it says you, she says you do it uh, and do you know that I've said, seen Ronell doing that as well he can't help it he does not have to learn it ability I had to ensure that my iron buffer was correct uh, listen to what I'm saying favor runs in your family favor so much favor that even when Jesus was dead he did not need to buy his own tomb who favors a dead body I feel the power of God up in here. This morning, I proclaim you walk in the favor that runs in your family. You walk in the supernatural. You walk in the divine life and light. You operate to me with oil from Zion. Whether you are male or female, whether you are Deborah or Joshua, whether you are Esther or Moses, it runs in your family. Get ready. This is going to change your life, shift your mind augment and elevate your thinking in his family we are the family of God wave your hands to the father I'll continue in the second service you will find hope again find strength again find faith again Thank the Father for opening your eyes. Thank the Father for speaking to your heart. 
thank the Father. Ayalo Katosa Libra Sabakwa. How we honor your name, we honor your name. You are the Father. You are the Father. You have set the solitary in families. I'm not an orphan. I'm not lost. I'm not broken apart. They go sundalado so do the anis. Oh, the kulambro so cold, if they get it, yes. Malolo, kulolo, you get it, asaradaris. Take advantage of the next 30 seconds. Let both hands be lifted to the Father. Say, Father, I acknowledge my place in your family. Thank you. Thank you for engrafting me, adopting me. The Father births us, he births us, and he adopts us. He births us and he adopts us. Let your voice be loud as you honor and worship. Thank you, Father. I just want to give somebody this morning the opportunity of receiving the life of Jesus. If Jesus does not rule and reign in your heart, then this message this morning was just a stimulant. <laughs> not going to transform much at the core of who you are family deals with the core issues so if you're here this morning you have not received the life of Jesus I want you right wherever you are just place your hand on your chest if I want everybody just place your hand let's place our hands on our chest right now for others who have strayed others who have acted like orphans you have started exploring non-family options to meet needs in your life or like Esau, you've run into the field in your own ability. When there was in fact Rebecca to help you and guide you to make the broth that the Father would love and enjoy. Lord God, we come, we return, we respond, we yield, we yield. Some of the Holy Spirit is working on your heart right now. Say, let me mother you. Let me comfort you. Let me enrich, support, strengthen you. Equip you, energize you. It's running like waves. Wave after wave. Thank you, Lord, for the streams of life. Everybody, let's say, Father, thank you for the forgiveness of sins. Thank you for engrafting me in your family. I acknowledge the finished work of Jesus Christ on the cross. I acknowledge that Jesus is the Lord and Savior of my life. That he died for me, was buried as me, and resurrected in me. I'm alive in Jesus. I receive the gift of salvation. I cherish the gift of salvation. I walk in newness of life. Now, thank you for a new beginning. In Jesus' name, we've prayed. Can you please put your hands together this morning? Hallelujah, halle, halle. Halle, halle, hallelujah, yeah. Thank you, Father. Glory to God, it's good to see you. Sweetie, spoke about you in the message. Thank you. Generation is rising on an emerging generation of kings. To join this growing community of kings, visit www.kingdomcentral.org and send your full name and email address to 908 123 4566
One more thing. Someone you know needs this. Kindly share this how.